When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? You guys are going to love this episode. I interviewed my friend Brad Lund about the past, present, and future of the liberal arts in the United States. Brad and I attended Luther College in the mid-90s, and he's a lifelong friend. And His son is looking at colleges. He's a high school senior. And they're in the process of deciding whether his son's going to go to a liberal arts school, go to a larger school, or is he going to go to a tech, get more of a technical education. And so I thought it'd be a really good episode to put on so we can sort of help you if you have a friend or loved one that's looking for higher education, sort of some, some of the things to look for. Um, there's a lot of different educational options here in this country, and liberal arts education offers something very unique. And I think there's a big question in this day and age about the continuing relevance of the liberal arts school. Is it going to remain viable as we become an increasingly specialized society, or is there going to be a continued relevance of liberal arts and maybe is it going to be essential to stay competitive that, that we do maintain this great part of our educational tradition? Well, I think you're going to sort of know where I land. Is I think there will always be a spot where you can develop your mind, you can develop knowledge, you can develop your spirit. And that's what we achieved and that's what we did at Luther College. There's a lot of great colleges throughout the United States, especially those that, that specialize in liberal arts. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as Brad and I had in putting it on. Uh, we discuss some of our favorite book recommendations. We'll include all of those in the show notes at rockingcole.com. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did and put it on uh, with Brad Lund exploring the past, present, and future of the liberal arts education in the United States on this episode of the Rockney Cast. Brother Brad Lund, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you, Rockney? Fabulous, fabulous. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. You know, basically, the, one of the reasons why I brought you on and I invited you to be on the Rockney cast is we met together about a month ago and your son Carson was looking at Luther College, um, you know, and he was looking at various options in terms of University of Wyoming, various state schools, but is also giving Luther College a look. And that got me thinking about sort of the role of the liberal arts in higher education. What continuing relevance does it have? And it just struck me you're a really interesting person to be able to explore this topic with one, because you're a good friend of mine. And two, we both have this shared liberal arts experience in the mid nineties at Luther college. And now we are here 20 years out. So I thought it'd be good to sort of explore uh, what the future of liberal arts uh, is looking at sort of past our own past, the present search that you have now with your son, Carson, as well as what we see it sort of moving forward. So before we get into a deep dive into that topic, I, I just wanted to sort of ask you, who is Brad Lund and how did you get where you are today? You know, we're, we're raising six kids and um, my wife's a CPA right now. I have to wear different hats. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been an, an attorney for 20 years. So that hasn't really defined who I think mm -hmm. I am. And if I had to describe my mission statement is I, I feel like a conduit more than anything in terms of just trying to be open and supportive be, for the people that I love and stay loyal to the things that I, that I care about. 
and as I've gotten older too, I've realized how important it is to tap into any sort of creative or artist uh, part of yourself, which I think with a Luther College's background and trying so many different things and being so many different things at Luther College over those three and a half, four years, um, that's reflected itself in my, my, my older life, looking back, like almost, what is it, 20 years now. I think that that's so interesting, though, Brad, is that you have such a such an interesting career trajectory and sort of the last page of that trajectory has not yet been written. I think what made you really fascinating as a friend and at Luther, as well as 20 years out, is you have so many incredible interests. I mean, you're a musician, you're interested in mathematics, you've got a subsequent degree at um, University of Wyoming in physics, you've also been involved in acting. And I think that really sort of encompasses like what liberal arts is about is that we are not one dimensional, we are multidimensional. And so, so if you could just sort of explore some of those various paths you've taken um, in terms of discovering who you are. You know, one of the first classes that we took at Luther was called Paideia, sort of have this common education, they go on the Odyssey. And the more and more I think about it, aren't we all on sort of this hero's journey? where we are going on these great journey and we're exploring all of these different things. And you've gone on this big journey and, you know, you've sort of come home um, back to the um, Midwest. But so yeah. if you could just sort of explain sort of where are you um, professionally and, and sort of how did you get where you are in terms of all your various interests you have in terms of acting, law, technology. I think that really encompasses someone who's in the liberal arts that does a lot of different things really well. No, that's cool. I I never really wanted, you know, professionally, it's one of these things. And and, and we're going to touch on this, I know. We were talking beforehand. Um, I've, I've tried to approach things openly as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But circumstances force us to make decisions uh, to stay, let's say, a lawyer for five more years. Or to go ahead and uh, retire and shut down that practice like I did uh, two years ago, I have one client left. Um, and, and as you're trying to raise a family and be responsible along the way, you, you have to have a side hustle. You have to have, you, you have to be open to change because especially in today's society and the technology was something I, I always, um, fell in love with. And Uwe Rudolph, RIP, uh, was a big influence on that for me. He was a professor at Luther, as you know, and he had entrepreneurship scholarships. And even back then, before the advent of where the internet is now, there were a few of us on campus trying to figure out how to get people online to buy used books. My friend uh, Howie Severson and I, we were we were looking at a company called Book Connection. Uh, this mm. is before you know campus books online and that kind of thing. Mm. I, and also building uh, lofts for kids at the dorms or DJing on the weekends. I think that, you know, did Luther in, instill that in me? It's always, it's always a, it's a combination, right? You find yourself in circumstances and you basically have to adjust what's going on. And for me, I, what I've come to learn is that we're no longer a specific vocation. Like, and that was drilled into us. Don't you agree, Rockney? Yes. In the 90s, like, hey, we need to specialize. The world needs specialists. And I think there's still that message out there. But, you know, luckily, you know, we wouldn't be 
uh, where where we're at as a family without invest without investments mm-hmm. and side hustles basically. Mm-hmm. And where I'm at professionally now is I'm starting to realize you can make an investment in your creative choices and who you are yes. as an artist and actually make money at it. And that was another thing that was sort of taught in the 90s, unfortunately for me, because I think I always wanted to do art more. Mm-hmm. But that practical side of your hat's like, well, you just never make money at it. And oh my gosh, if I have one regret, and I'm, I'm over it now, but mm-hmm. if I have one regret, it was, man, I really should have pursued the art more but then a lot of things wouldn't have fallen into place the way they're at now we're all on our own path is it destiny are these choices that we're making all that kind of thing but again these are questions you're asking that we would ask ourselves sort of in the bubble in decora about our lives in general so and i think that gave us you know four years of practice of sort of ask asking these things as we go along so I think Luther has kind of intertwined itself in the overall mesh and decision-making that I've made over the years um, in terms of uh, staying connected to my beliefs, my family, and um, just trying to balance it all, you know? Yeah. Well, I love what you said about this question of practicality, because <laughs> isn't that the voice in nearly every parent's mind as they think about the investment? Isn't that, the, is, isn't that the question that every student has in terms of what school they go to, right? Will it pay off in terms of one thing, acquisition of, to develop a skill, yeah. to acquire commodities, and to get money? Which, of course, is important. We all need to survive. But what I love about what your comment was, it really begs the question, what is practical, Right. What is practical? And as we look at it now, I think of Jim Carrey when he gave a um, commencement speech at Maharishi um, University. He said, you know, his dad was an accountant and did one thing not so well. And then he <laughs> lost his job. Yeah. And then he decided, well, I might as go where I have the passion. So then I can really do as well as I can to be the only person in the world who does what I do very uniquely. And, uh, you know, Tim Peter was a Luther College guy. He always talked about singing from the gut. As a singer, that's where your power comes from. Yeah. Um, and I think professionally, if you can't align your mind, body, and spirit, you're not going to go anywhere. And then it's not practical to only do one thing that you're disconnected with. And I don't know if, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you know, Jim Carrey's an artist, too. You know, he's yes. doing fine art as well. Um, uh, Frank Black is one of the musical influences of mine. He paints, too. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think everybody, that, that's kind of interesting about the one thing. And, and we mentioned it, we talked about this yesterday. It's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, I went back to Luther uh, with Carson on campus and, and talked to two professors that hadn't seen me in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they legitimately remembered me. I don't know if that would happen at a public university. And and furthermore, we we had an instant script we could jump into that related specifically to the experience at Luther and could catch up in so many ways that fundamentally just doesn't happen unless you have a close relationship, either with those pro- professors or an experience on that college. And I'm getting the practicality on this. Yeah. I think that it's a marketing. It's yeah. it's marketing. I mean, law school. Let's let's take a look. We both went to law school, right? Yeah. And what's the, one of the first things in those brochures? You know, 
80 percent of our graduates are making x amount of money or whatever it's in there that's not why i went you know um i had a lawyer luckily sort of tear the blinders off that a little bit saying oh man but you know what i mean there's always this promise that if you specialize man and and for some people it's worked you know we both know people that are experts at what they're doing and they're doing great Mm -hmm. but but you and i also both know that not everybody's ready to be an expert a vocational Mm -hmm. expert Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we get down to this practicality question, for me, it's like, is that just sales jargon in a way? You just asked it. Like, what is practicality? I think practicality is an idea. It's mm-hmm. an idea, and it's a way to, like, convince yourself, oh, yeah, I should spend this extra money because I'll get an investment, you know, I'll get a return on my investment later on. That's a very practical approach by itself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're being practical about your choice. You know, I just read, was it in Forbes or something, that more than half of the millennials believe that their investment in college, quote, wasn't worth it. Yes. And and that's interesting to me because what metric are you using to measure your worth, to measure worth of an experience? How much money would I want in my pocket for not meeting you? Yeah. Or... My wife, yes, who went to Luther College, yes, yes. you know, and and it, fine. I could have married someone at Michigan State. You know, no mm-hmm. offense, Michigan State. I'm, I haven't even been on the campus, um, but you know, or or Kansas. You know, and I did go to a public mm-hmm. school at Wyoming for my physics mm-hmm. degree. Could have met, met a spouse there as well, right? <laughs> I, you know, so it's not the campus that may, you know you, you find your relationships as you go, but but. Sometimes, if you if you believe in destiny, <laughs> you almost have to. And no, it's not justifying the cost of the. It's not a justification either. Mm. I, in other words, I think it's how you approach the value of college. And then, yes. for me, the trade off is for four years at you know between the ages of what is that eighteen, twenty one, twenty two, yeah. twenty three, whatever. If you're going straight out, you know mm-hmm. which you know. Um. What would you be doing in that time as it, as it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you're serving your country, which is awesome, with the people who choose to do that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're volunteering right out of the gate. But, you know, mm-hmm. more and more, I think it's becoming more difficult as an 18-year-old to really find your way in a place that isn't structured. But more importantly, are, are you missing out on community? Yeah. What do you think about that word? Do you, when, when I say community and, and you think of Luther... Do you do you believe that that is a unique to to a private college, or can you get that community at a larger school as well? You absolutely you know, can. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I think you absolutely can, and I think there are certainly other strong communities, other schools, obviously. But I would say that that is probably the alpha and omega of why you choose a school like Luther College is that you do have this warm, supportive community of, of, of faith that, that challenge you, or unfaith, that, that challenge you in all sorts of different ways. And I think that that is something that is so important in terms of your, your maturation, your peers, your mentors. I looked at you as a mentor. You know, I think that uh, it's this process, process of transformation from 18, when you're essentially a child, to adulthood. Right. And you should be an adult, even though that that period of adulthood, I think, has extended out now in in our culture. But at 22, then you should be on you should be ready to take the reins and commence and and, and sort of move forward. Um, 
And I love what you said about the question of, um, you know, what's it for? Why, why do you go? And I think that's what yeah. liberal arts schools, especially at Luther, ask these big questions. Um, you know, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? Um, and these actually are practical questions. I mean, I think of, for example, Aristotle. Um, he says that you are what you repeatedly do. And he had all these theories of vocation. I was thinking, gosh, you know, the critique of philosophy is, oh, it's so impractical. But then when you start thinking about my career as a podcaster, which I want to become, we yeah. are what we repeatedly do. And a year ago, I decided I wanted to do a podcast. And I've done now 30. Well, guess what? Each time I do a podcast, I'm voting for the person I want to become. And that's because of Aristotle. And then I also think if you are only going to school and it's just to develop a skill, then probably do not go to a liberal arts school because I, I don't think it's really worth it. If you're just going to get an accounting degree and nothing else, probably it might not be worth it for you. But if you want to do cross country to, to strengthen your, your body, if you want to have a spirit community, which I think all people knew, need, and if you want to focus on your mind um, yeah. and you want to integrate those and live in wholeness, um, you definitely want to go. And, and I think the other part of it is, is there are so many people that don't really realize the wisdom they're learning until later in life. I mean, I go back to Odysseus and Odyssey. I'm only now learning in middle age, the profundity of that book. And I, I want to read it again because it, we all are on these hero journey, right? And then I was just listening to Stephen Pressfield the other day. He's the author of War and Art. And he said, the first stage of our life is developing who we are as a person the second stage is sharing it with the world and i thought wow that's such a good you know when we come home on this hero's journey it's to come back with a skill a sense of magic a sense of wonder to share with the world and i think you you're in that process in terms of your acting what you're doing creatively our continuing collaboration which is really cool hopefully we're going to shoot some videos this summer but I think part of that is this bond that we had at Luther. And I promised you at the beginning of the podcast, I was going to describe the adjectives that apply to Brad Lund. And the adjectives that my first impression of you was insouciant creative joy. Those are the adjectives that apply to Brad Lund. And that's, yeah, you were a singer right. and I loved your music. And that was what I found you intriguing. And I think that's what it is. You find all these really creative people like, you we've had stacy orton the podcast my wife mara an artist um yeah. all these different domains of humanity that i think are so undernourished in other contexts well yeah they, i'm blown away by those adjectives you know um the joy part's tricky when you're raising kids you know mm. and i feel very fortunate i you know, my, you know our marriage is awesome yeah like mm -hmm. Like, and you know, it, it's a challenge, but joy. I love that. I mean, I hope that that's coming through sometimes it's hard sometimes it, yeah, especially with what's been going on in the world. But, you know, I, I really like what you said. Um, you know, I, and again, I find it amazing. What I find amazing is rock me clearly is a podcast right now between two attorneys. We haven't had one single legal disclaimer mm -hmm. along the lines of like, Hey, the opinions we're giving about Luther College no longer, uh, you know, are, are not endorsed <laughs> by by Luther College itself or the King of Norway, for that matter. Is there any trademark important. violations, or is Luther going to sue us? <laughs> I uh, I think we both should pl <laughs> plead the fifth on that right now. 
Um, no. <laughs> send us an email if you don't like the. Oh, they, they, they won't. They won't. Yeah, we'll but either way. Um, but yeah, we are not affiliated with them. The only reason I want to say that is because. Uh, you know, I went to Wyoming and I got two degrees from there. And I, mm-hmm. I really love Laramie. I lived there for seven years um, and I love Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends still there and connections there. And I could easily retire there, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and all the time. My, in the, we're getting back to my son. And my mm-hmm. son has lo- is looking at Wyoming, uh, mm-hmm. Kansas University, because we live here in Lawrence. And then... Um, uh, Luther College. Those are his mm-hmm. top three, and all three of them have been wonderful to him. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're inviting him to all the zooms. They're they're keeping a pulse on him. They're they're bragging about what their alumni are doing, mm-hmm. um, and they're all trying to sell. They're all trying to sell. Hey, we're unique. We're smaller than you think. Mm-hmm. We're we've created a community, and I see it in Kansas. You know, living here, and I saw it in Laramie living there. Mm-hmm. And one of the professors that I talked to at Luther and mm-hmm. um, just this last time when we visited mm-hmm. was very, it made an interesting point. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a change in how we may be approaching higher education in the future. And one of those changes is we may see a lot of subsidies so that more people can go. And those, that's going to all go through public universities, most likely. Yes. And so private university, you know, private colleges like Luther, they're going to rely more and more on on alumni support. Mm-hmm. And that that I think is going to create a new challenge. And the question that my that Amy and I both had about college in general is what is a degree worth in 2021 compared to how it was back when we graduated in mm-hmm. the late 90s? You know, 20, 20 years has elapsed. Is the equivalent... And, and, and another thing, uh, I had a, just to add to it, a friend of mine who t- reached out to his Luther professor for, for uh, a curriculum, a syllabus, the professor was, hey, by the way, I was looking at your Paideia syllabus, and, you know, your Paideia, and by the way, Paideia is the English history class combined, and it's required. Yes. At Luther, yep. everyone has to go through it. It's this big experience where you mm-hmm. you read like you just referenced Odysseus, and mm-hmm. you know I remember being in Antigone. That was fun, um, and uh, you know performing that on stage and doing all that stuff. It, it was basically saying that the curriculum we had twenty years ago for Pridea was almost twice as difficult and as, as heavy as it is now, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. I, I don't know what kind of assumptions we can take out of this, but it does ask the question, you know, hey, does does a heavier workload give you a better college experience anyway? Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But has it changed? And and how will it change? And mm-hmm. that's what's very interesting to me. Is like I have to not turn into like wise old dude with my son totally. saying, Hey man, everything I experienced at Wyoming and Luther, oh, it's gonna be a carbon copy for you. You know, and make mm-hmm. sure you go down to the pizza ranch all the time. You know, and maybe he, yeah. uh, maybe he's leaning towards vegetarian and is going to find different options and whatever. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, we we don't know, right? And 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 so as a parent, I think when you're trying to ask these questions about 
if it's practical? Will they find a community? Will the extra money mean deeper extra community? Mm-hmm. These are all wild cards in my mind. And I, and I think it really comes down to we, we learn three different ways. We learn by reading a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm borrowing this roughly from uh, Lao Tzu, right? You, you learn mm-hmm. from reading a book. You learn from just experience, raw experience. Mm-hmm. You can build a chair because you've done it. Or number three, kind of like your instinct. Your knowledge is more connected to something that's deeper or spiritual or intuition Mm -hmm. correct. I always interpret that. I always took the intuition and said, ah, yeah, because that's the stuff I love, right? The big mystery Mm. of connecting of deeper, higher forces. That's my old jam. One of the Nordic songs we did was called O Magnum Mysterium. Right. I mean, that stuff is just cool, right? I mean, life is way cooler when we're we're talking about that third one. And when I think about Luther and my choice to go to Luther... It was a reflection of me. It wasn't necessarily Luther banging that drum harder than all the public schools I was looking at. And and one of them, mm-hmm. two of them were in Southern California, which I love. And, you know, maybe I maybe I wanted to go there and I didn't or mm-hmm. film school or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. I think that was it the drum from the private college pounding louder for me to make that choice or or was I kind of drawn to that mysterium? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think that there's a personality fit for going into a private college. And then we have to add the layer of the Christian question. Yes. You know, when you take Absolutely. a look at the Luther College mission statement, I think you were the one who pointed out to me that it might not be in there that they have a Christian mission statement. Yes. I, I mean, I'll have to review it, but... but I think and they I find indicated that, the community. Last time I checked, I think they said it's a community of faith. Yes, um, right. Yeah, which, which is great because because you want to be inviting right to yeah, different yeah, types of faiths, absolutely, and 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 that sort of thing. And, and and I believe that even the public universities are kind of like, hey, we have different faith options, right? Yes. So, but it begs the question because when we were looking, let's face it, uh, at least I don't know about you, but my one of my the one of the home churches of the, the pastor I talked to back in Denver yes. was like, oh yeah, ELCA, of course, back then, right? Was yeah. like, hey, oh, Luther, you know, all the other Lutherans that you had met through church, oh, they had somebody who went to Luther, their aunt, yeah. their uncle. Oh, my, my grandpa Bobby, you know, mm. make sure you, uh, you know, uh, wave certain fingers of Warburg when you drive by. Ha, 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 you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, like there's even these <laughs> sort of rivalries between these other Lutheran churches, these Lutheran colleges yeah. or faith-based colleges. In 2021... What? How is Christianity being accepted for a younger kid like my son? Is it even playing? Is he saying, hey, I mm-hmm. want to go to a place of faith? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's an open question. I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a statistician or anything like that. But my gut instinct, again, relying on the third one, kind of the second one on this, mm-hmm. just counseling people as lawyers, non-lawyers, what have you, coach, as a coach, right? Um, I think... It's a good question, and and I think it's another aspect to Luther of its identity that I don't think a brand new person outside the Lutheran faith really knows about Luther, and if they are outside the Lutheran faith, you have a college called Luther, yeah. and Luther doesn't have this is not the only one with this problem. I'm mm-hmm. sure Notre Dame has you know has has similar things. I don't I don't know how strong Catholic faith is. You know that you I, I know, don't but think they're shy about adding it. that layer. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're not shy about it. And, and Concordia schools are not as well. They're, yeah. You know, that's the LCMS branch of colleges. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here they are. Here's the exact locations. And, you know, they're, they're you know, it's LCMS, right? They're, they're more forward. They're, they're mm-hmm. like, yes, we are LCMS. That's kind mm-hmm. of their thing. And so that's another thing. As far as my son and what, he, what he's wanting to do with that, it's, it's interesting. He is processing that aspect of it. He's he's open to hey, what would it be like to be on a campus that has that have those faith options? Yes. And again, I you know maybe that's one of your podcasts because I think it would be a fair question to ask somebody who works for Luther, like how that's playing in, and 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 maybe even understand where Luther's coming from on that. I don't no, know. And I think it's just it been so long. From- but I think we can be, I think we can be a little bit more polemical, Brad. Um, you're being very nuanced and, um, but I think we can be a little bit more polemical and, and, and my view is, is that I think we can be a little bit more clear about what we stand for. I mean, so Martin Luther said, here I stand, right. And that he had a polemical point of view. I know where it comes from. It comes from a lot of people that want to be open-minded, that want to be inclusive, which I am too. I've built my career on that, but I think sometimes you, you can become so inclusive, you don't even know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you don't know why someone should be attracted to you or, or, or be drawn to that experience. And so in my view, by the way, is that to put your stamp as a Christian college does not mean that you don't want other members of the community of faith to go there. By no means. To me, that means that that's just what you are as, you know, to where, where, your, where your values are. Um, But I I think in terms of people that struggle with their faith, come and challenge and question every underlying assumption. Here we're channeling our legal training, our our Socratic method. We're being Socrates here. Um, (laughs) That you can eat and chew gum at the same time. And I think it's not one of the ways that Luther survives. I believe it's the only way. And it's not just Christianity. In my view, you know, one of the things I wanted to develop on the podcast is sort of one thing we can affirm about our experience there and that they need to keep on and cultivate and maybe one thing that we could change. So I'll sort of start off in terms of one thing I, I, I think that I would encourage them to do, and I guess it'd be affirming, is to affirm uh, the liberal arts, the traditional liberal arts, the Greeks, the Romans, um, a, a piece of the Norwegian heritage, because that is part of its roots. But the irony with that is, is that once you embrace that, you are open to all these different experiences. You do have an open mind because then when you start diving deep into like the Stoic tradition, you also see all these parallels with the Buddhist tradition. And, you know, it's sort of funny. One of the podcasts I just read, it was called uh, on the philosophy of Bruce Lee of all people. And he talked about a cup only being valuable when it's empty. If it's full, you can, you know, if it's full of anger, if it's full of rage, if it's full of knowing everything, um, then it doesn't serve any purpose. And I remember our Luther professor, Simon Hansen, he said, there are two types of people that climb the, 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 the mountain of knowledge. Some reach the top and think that they've reached as high as they'll ever go. And others get to the top and stand up and look across the valley and realize how far they have to go in terms of learning. And I think hopefully they get a sense of awe and wonder and humility in terms of what they don't know. Um, so, so I, I think that they do need to reaffirm that identity and that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be, um, 
inclusive or anything like that. But I think that's why you need to identify. And we need to be, and I think the other part is people are so afraid to get into these discussions. And I think we need to have, we need to have these discussions. It's good. It's healthy. I don't know what, what you feel about that. Yeah. What I hear you saying is, you know, we can't see the farthest star in our, in, you know, that we can see right now as a human Mm -hmm. species without a real, without our telescope being a strong foundation like dug yeah. into the earth and also a lot of science behind it. Yes. Like we can't yeah. really expand our knowledge in general without having a perspective, a foundation, you know, and yeah. that's, that's, that's science. Right. But that, that applies to, to almost anything really. I think questioning the foundations of what we've built, not only for ourselves, but as a society and as an alumni and now Kids are coming to me asking really heavy questions. It's tricky because you want to give them an answer that's founded, that has a lot of courage and strength behind it. But at the same time, you don't want to lock them in to just your point of view. Totally. And boy, and boy, that's... isn't that the problem? In, you know, to get deeper, and this is not. A, this is I did not want to make this a religious the religious question. But that's this is exactly like the how conversation. Faith is. Yeah, your child wants an answer, like, "Hey, where should I go to? Where where should I go to school?" Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you want them to make that safe choice. I, I, it's rare that I that I know any parent that's like, "Hey, I want you to make the riskiest decision you possibly can." Here, yeah. here's all of my money. I don't know. Start a taco stand somewhere in the middle of Canada to, tomorrow without a passport. I don't, I don't see these, these, these situations happening. You know, I don't see parents doing that with their hard-earned, you know, five twenty-nine accounts or non-hard-earned, or just like, hey, I'll sign the student loan. You know, the the FAFSA, and and good luck. Um, yeah. You know, it becomes a it becomes a more complex question. Now, I, I'm going to get cynical on this. I, I think the cost of education has blown up. I, I'm a believer that our margins have slowly just been milked to all our profit. Like, if you want to buy a house, look at all the added margins and costs there are now compared yeah. to there were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You want to buy a car and have car insurance? Look at all the margins. They've just been padded. The cost mm-hmm. of everything's gone up to where, you know, our technology has strived really hard to keep the middle people back from taking their percentages, but mm-hmm. somehow you know, through legislation, whatever, just good old-fashioned savoriness of of profiteering and all that stuff. I'm not anti-capitalist or anything. I'm just saying the margins are getting milked. We we go back to the question of, is it practical to go to college? You really cu- cut back at what, how much it really costs to go to college. But what's the most, what's the biggest thing in there is housing costs. It's more yes. expensive for the colleges to run these housing programs now. And then where's this money going to come from? Well, we'll subsidize it. Everyone deserves to go to college. Everybody needs a college degree. Boom, you wake up tomorrow, 100% everyone who goes to high school, 100% everyone has a college degree. What did, what did that do to the value of college degrees? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If 100% everybody in high school goes to 100% to college, and then look at the astounding – what, what is that? That's 100% of everyone living on a college campus. It's it's untenable. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. And then the costs of housing in general, uh, like we could get into this, you know, with my real estate background, with your with your legal background, 
with your passion uh, politically in the past and, and forward, just taking a look at economic systems and all this fun stuff, you start asking these really deeper questions. But then there is your there's your 17 year old son going. So where should I where should I go to college? They don't want to hear any of this, man. They they don't they they, they don't want to hear any of this. You know, you know, we know as lawyers, what, what you're paid for the lawyer is not finding the answer, but it's asking the right question. When you leave a situation where you're paying someone a lot of money to just ask deeper questions, isn't that exactly what college is? Well, and, and I think the other part of it is you, you're absolutely right. And I think the issue is, is that it's definitely true. If you're just going to pay the money and you're not going to interact with the process – then it's not worth it. I think so many people are yes. served with this notion that give me a prepackaged professional degree, whether it's law or anything, and just I don't have to interact. I will receive it. Well, if that's the case, it will not happen. Um, but I, I think what it comes down to, if you're looking at, you mentioned physics, there's a principle right. in physics, oscillation of frequency, right? And I think yeah. as you think about voca- vocation, you're oscillating between at some point you do need to dive down narrow, right? Like Amy's an accountant. She needs a narrow degree of specialization, but then you oscillate with that to the big picture. And I think for the liberal arts, you are oscillating between the vocation in terms of what you actually do and the big picture. And and there, I think there's no better example of that was Weston Noble, who I think basically built, uh, built modern Luther college uh, from basically 1950 to the year 2000. Uh, and he, and for those of you who don't know, he was a famous choral director at Luther College. But there, you talk about mentoring people. Weston talked and he t- lectured, of course, but he basically demonstrated what it really looks like to be in total alignment with your mind, your body, and your spirit and what you can achieve. And you can, you can achieve a student body of 2,500 students in the middle of nowhere that experience magic and community nearly every day. And, you know, you had talked about your mission statement. I was thinking my mission statement, what's my mission statement? Well, I'm inspired by Weston. He came into every rehearsal with a sense of joy and wonder that he couldn't believe how lucky he was to be with us that day. And I thought, if you can capture that professionally, you have made it. But for him, it was an ongoing process. I talked to someone, evidently in, in, in his 40s, he sort of had a midlife crisis. He was the band director and the Nordic bar director, and he was totally stressed out. So he struggled with that. But gosh, the legacy of that. And so I think that's the other thing, too, in terms of doubling down. Doubling down in terms of the legacy that Weston showed in terms of what that looks like. And he did it in a very non-dogmatic way. And I want to make clear for our listeners, I... I reject any version of Christianity that has a preset dogma that, that doesn't allow us to answer questions, to challenge, and be, and be open to other perspectives. I totally reject that. Um, but Weston was very good about being open to that as people sort of explored who they were. Um, and I think he really did leave a legacy for that. So I, I think that's sort of where we start as well. It's like, okay, it's not only if, – if the why question is, where do I go just to get a job? and I'm not going to apply myself, well, then it's probably not the place. But if you really want to go to a place and apply and, and join cross country and go to Nordic choir and be a dancer, be a musician, why did you, why did you do all the music stuff? You, you did a lot of just sort of freelance music stuff because it, you had the space to be able to do that there. Um, 
So that's, God, this is so good. So hopefully we can do sort of ongoing. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to be able to do is, is identify different books uh, that people, yeah. you know, that various of my guests are reading. So sort of a take home so they can improve their life. So what is one book that you're reading now? And I'll share a book recommendation of mine, but what's one book that you'd recommend for people that's sort of a game changer? I think that Deep Work by Cal Newport, and uh, he's got a book that is appropriate for college and high school. And, and it teaches you how to basically structure your focus in a demanding schedule. Oh, no, that's great. Well, my book recommendation, it's perfect for liberal arts, which is Range by David Epstein. And this is a really good book because it gets into this question of what is the continuing relevance of uh, generalists in a very hyper-specialized world? Um, and so he gets into this question, and his thesis statement is, is that, of course, at some point we have to narrow our, our domain expertise, but the, most, the more basic question is making sure we have a good match for those skills in the first instance, and that it's very difficult to find what those skill sets are. Um, and so he gets into, uh, you know, so you can almost translate it to like the liberal arts where that's the other thing too, is how do you know when you're 18, what you want to do or who, who you're to become <laughs> or what you're even exactly at? Exactly. And he brings I, up, for example, yeah. the military academy, <laughs> certain people, it's a prepackaged identity and the government's spending all of this money, but certain people just, even if they're good at it, they, they're not in alignment with it. Uh, right. And so the liberal arts does allow us to do that in, in a way in which we can explore what our passion, what our purpose is, and then and then dive deep. And in terms of athletes, he brings up Roger Federer versus Tiger Woods. And so, you know, as two examples, Tiger Woods was hyper-specialized right away. He always was a golfer, whereas Roger Federer did all sorts of sports prior to the time that he did specialize. And I think that's sort of a good template. It's not that we don't need to specialize. At some point, we do. But yeah, we need to be able yes. to sort of explore these various domains before we dive deep. And then when we do dive deep, we have to be aware of the perils of over-specialization because it gives us overconfidence um, as far as that goes. But yeah, this is a really good book that I commend our readers to, to read. Lately, you know, I my faith is yo-yoed like anyone else's, I imagine, uh, to a degree. But I'm back into where... The act of communion for me is is pretty spiritual. Again, very spiritual. Um, I'm finding that to be. Uh, I'm putting more meaning into that, and it's and it's uh, been a deeper connection with my with my Christian beliefs. So I, you know, it sounds old fashioned, but it's communion for me. Yeah, and I'm a big so. believer in tradition. You know, we all go on these prodigal journeys. That's within the Christian story. And, you know, whether it's Odysseus or the prodigal son, and we all depart and we all sort of eventually come home. And that's where I am in my own faith journey. For me, my transformative uh, self-care thing is master in the morning. I'm a five o'clock in the morning guy now. I, I journal. And uh, that's just been so critical to be able to get so much done and just to feel really good. So thank you so much, brother, for appearing on this show. No problem. Man. This is awesome. All right, well, check out all of our content from the show at rocknicole.com. We'll include all the book recommendations in the show, show notes. We're going to cover a lot of future topics with Brad Lund. And uh, thank you so much for tuning into the RockneyCast. Until next time on the RockneyCast. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
um, means a lot to me and I have so much gratitude that you spent the time with, with Brad and me. Um, Brad's going to be an ongoing guest. We're going to discuss a lot of different topics moving forward. Um, and we're going to continue to put on high quality content on the Rocket Cast. For the next episode, we're going to bring on urban planner John Thomas and also current city councilor. John is a really good vibe dude. He really knows urban planning inside and out. We'll get into some of the intricacies of uh, various urban planning issues in the city of Iowa City. And it, it's an interesting topic. It sounds boring, but it's not. It's really interesting, especially through the eyes of a urbane, well-educated um, urban planner like John. It really has a good eye for urban design. So we're going to explore that next one. We're also going to be pretty soon uh, also uh, interviewing a world-class opera star. So we, we, we got it all on the Rockney cast. So hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I had and put it on. All the high quality content that we have in the Rocky Cast um, will be put at RockyCole.com. And once again, thank you to my most awesome brother-in-law, Corey Grimm, for his music that we play on the Rocky Cast all the time. One of the best singer-songwriters in the state of Iowa, Corey Grimm. That's right, my brother-in-law on the Rocky Cast. So stay tuned and keep joining us on the show that we love so much to put on for all of you. 